Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what's up? Hi, not much, Luke. Uh, ready to broadcast, of course. Reporting for duty Thursday, the most productive day of the week, as we all know. Knock it off, Paul Calvisi. We all know it's not Tuesday. It's Thursday, the most productive day of the week. Because tomorrow's Friday. It took you nine seconds to take a shot at Paul. Well, he, I know. Is Paulie coming on today, by the way? Not now. Well, no. You've got to get some new material besides the forehead jokes, right? Three years now of the same stuff, right? I mean, find some different writers uh, and, and come back with something stronger. Said the guy that's got a massive forehead. I'm just going to cross Interesting, off the show right? today. Polly's not coming And by on. the way, did I say anything about Polly's forehead? No, today? I didn't say no, I didn't say not anything today. about Polly's not, forehead. Not today, but I know fact, of. All right? Well, in so, show prep, you said you wanted to see Marvin Harrison Jr. run routes on Paul's forehead. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds like something you would say. I did not say, say that. <laughs> it does sound Mel like something just made that say. up, Polly, right now. Just made that up. What if Luke, the you would doing? make something that specific up? I'm good, but Wolf, look, I got in. I got into the studio, like, Three minutes too early. The studio. So usually you and I come running in here, like because you know Bickley and Rod end at nine fifty six ish, and yes. so usually I come in, I get set up. There's you know there's and then Bick's got to read or something like that. What are you doing, Bick? <laughs> so there's I don't know. We usually have about three minutes to 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 set everything up, and probably have about like four or five minutes worth of stuff to do. You know, maybe a more efficient person could do it in like two minutes, but you and I it takes four or five minutes. Usually you come in right at ten because you're listening to Metallica in the other room. So you and I are both scrambling going into the show. Yeah. But today I've just been sitting in here waiting. Okay. And I'm like kind of ready to go home. I know. (laughs) It's kind of weird. Okay, you've been sitting in here waiting. Everything's all set up. It is. You're you're set up. You're ready to broadcast. What are you ready to broadcast about, Luke? Can I just go ahead and drive? I mean, is that just, I'll drive. You know what? Get out of the, give me the wheel and let me, okay, the Phoenix Suns, you're ready to broadcast about the Phoenix Suns. What in particular would you say that you're looking for? (laughs) This is my one pointer, okay? I don't want to tell you how to do my job. But- Think of it this way. If you were in a car with somebody and they were driving the car and they kept saying, look at me driving, wouldn't yeah. that make you nervous? Right. <laughs> You're like, hey, it's kind of like I'm driving, driving with Paul. Speaking of, you know, Paulie. <laughs> Paulie gives you a play by play. He's one of these guys, basically. He gives you a play by play of what he's doing. You know, like, okay, I'm, I'm stopping at this stop sign. What is it? This guy, oh, he's using his blinker. I'm. He gives you a play-by-play while he's driving. It's I thought you were going to say he put the navigation system on his forehead. That's see, where I thought you no, were going. See, once again, was there any comment about Paul's no, forehead now whatsoever? You've, you've no, there was not. I guarantee you there is one before the end of the show from you. Uh, the Suns finally play a basketball game tonight. Wolf, it's been, it feels like four and a half weeks. It's been three days. That is their longest remaining break of the season. They don't ever have more than two days off between games. Uh, and I mean, left in the regular season. Who knows what they do in the playoffs? But... 24 games in the next 46 days. So here we go. Yeah, you know, once again, the Houston Rockets, of course, we all know what happened the last time the Suns played the Houston Rockets just days ago. Basinonians, they lost. The Rockets beat them, of course, 114-110 right now. The Houston Rockets, very interesting 
because um, to me, you're talking about a team that is scrappy defensively. They really are. They're scrappy defensively. Number five in field goal percentage allowed. Now, stop and think about this, Basinonians, because the first four teams, Minnesota's number one. Does that shock you? No, that's why they are where they are. That's why they are where they are. Boston Celtics, number two. Oklahoma City, number three. The Cleveland Cavaliers, number four. Guess who's number five in the association? The Houston Rockets. It's the This is what they can do, and it's certainly what they did. Now, Yusef Nurkic did not play, of course, right? Did not play. Yep. No Bradley Beal, of course. No Yusef Nurkic against the Houston Rockets. Yet at the same time, the Rockets beat the Phoenix Suns, and largely because of what they did on the defensive end of the floor. Well, and they're not a bad team. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs, and they're probably not going to make the play-in. Um, but they were kind of exceeding expectations or maybe a little bit ahead of schedule earlier this season. Uh, Alpern Shangun's really good. Emu Adoka gets his guys to play, and he gets them to play defense. Like yep. you were just saying. Yep. Uh, Jalen Green was a was a pretty high pick a few years ago. Fred Van Vliet's been a nice addition. Dylan Brooks is annoying. Um, they they are not a they're like to me they're not an, a league average team because what twenty of the thirty teams make it to the the play in at least, and they're not going to. But they are like they're the definition of the team where if you take them lightly, you're going to lose because they'll just outwork you or and they've got some talent on the team. And what's weird about this for the Suns is this will be the second time they play them in three games and then they're playing them again on Saturday, too. So this is like kind of their their tune up for the stretch run is just playing the Rockets a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know what I'm looking for tonight? I'm looking for domination. That's what I'm looking for. He plays in Portland now. I'm looking. (laughs) I see what you did right there. The domination. I'm dominating. Okay, great. I just want to see that. Um, I want to see the competitive fire, the competitive spirit of the Phoenix Suns. Um, We all know what is going on right now. One and two since the All-Star break. And here it is. The Rockets coming in. The Rockets handed it to them. Of course, I want to see some type of competitive fire from the Phoenix Suns. I really think this is something I've been talking about all season long. And I'm going to continue to talk about it, unfortunately, because I do believe this is what they lack right now. Hopefully, they're going to get this figured out. But to be able to go out and take care of business Take care of business. Beat a team you should beat. I'm really interested to see how they respond to this challenge tonight. Well, here's uh, here's Frank Vogel talking about just the uniqueness of what's going to come up now playing the same team twice in a row after they just played them, too. I don't really have a preference one way or the other. You know what I mean? I think it helps you a little bit in terms of um, you know what your, your playoffs are going to look like. You know, I don't think you do this so much early in the season, but maybe later in the season... Um, I have a game one, game two of uh, the playoffs type of type of mindset, but there's uh, there's there's still managing the 82 type of factors. Um, you play OKC on the third night, you know that that second game. So it's not it's not exactly like the playoffs, but you, know, you have some things. Hey, you did this in in, uh, in game one. This is what some adjustments that look like game two. Yeah, like I, I don't know that you're treating this with the intensity of a playoff series, but it is. <laughs> it's an interesting way to kind of measure. Where you are, because it, it, it's tough over the course of the season to be like, well, you know, we lost the the Clippers, but then we beat Sacramento. It's like, okay, well, that's different teams, obviously. Or we beat Orlando, like, cool. Um, you're playing Houston three out of four times, and you lost the first one. So there's a pretty clear floor that you've already hit, hopefully. Whereas tonight, you would like to see 
specific improvements and a win. And then I would argue Saturday as well. This is this you've pointed this out a few times. The schedule is very difficult in terms of uh, strength of opponents. Oh yeah, Houston's one of your quote, easier teams. There really aren't any sub-500 teams other than Houston, San Antonio, and there's like one or two other teams sprinkled in like once or twice. I want to see a little urgency. That's what I want to see. A little urgency right here. You got 24 games left. I want to see a little urgency from the Phoenix Suns saying, hey, listen, you know what? Yeah, this is not a playoff game. It isn't. But as Frank Vogel said, every game in the last 27 games of the season was going to be a playoff game, right? And I understand they're saying it and then actually feeling like it's a playoff game. You just can't do it. And the reason why is because you're human beings. You're not going to be Jedi mind tricked. You realize this is not the playoffs. It's still the regular season. I just want to see a sense of urgency from the Suns on both ends of the floor tonight. Here's Devin Booker talking about the unique uh part of the schedule they're in right now yeah yeah that's why i like it um kind of similar to the playoffs where you know you play a team figure out what 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 worked and what didn't and adjust from there and you know being able to adjust on the fly and adjust quick like that is exactly what playoff basketball is yeah here we go Playoff basketball you know speaking of playoff basketball would you say would you say yusuf nurkic is going to be big in playoff basketball we we would imagine probably he's going to be especially against teams that are going to have more of a traditional five kind of like what we're going to see tonight with shangun right Mm -hmm. shangun is a guy that went 17 and 12 as a matter of fact in the last game the last time they played the phoenix suns just days ago once again and had six offensive rebounds in that game now that's big nurk did not play in this game based on that should be the biggest improvement right there honestly right now this is what i want to say i want to see nurk come out when i say domination this is what i'm talking about right here i want to see him come out and play like he did against anthony davis 24 games in 46 days to end the regular season now, starting today. Uh, when we come back, what do Monty Austinfort and Jonathan Gannon hope to get out of the combine as it really heats up now today? Uh, in Indianapolis, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody, it's Burnsy. The Arizona Cardinals are looking to improve a number of positions on the roster this offseason. If they are adding a veteran, who are some of the guys that would be a perfect fit? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, 2-6 to six on Arizona Sports. By the intensity. You know, really, with you, we probably should be playing, like, the lightest music we can find early in the show. Why do you say that? Keep you calm early in the show. <laughs> Come out of the gate with stuff I am like calm. No, I understand you now, really but it's, this is this music would make anybody a little uneasy. If there's no way you just play this music in like a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, right now I always thought, how weird would it be? You're sitting at home and you're listening to this. That is weird. What if you're sitting there? You're you're alone in your home, basically, and you're listening to this. What are you doing? What are you doing? Go out and walk in the sun, okay? No, don't. Keep listening to the show. Don't, well, go ahead. Don't well, listen do to it. what Wolf says. Are you kidding me? They could actually pack it up and walk. He's Luke, packing up a radio. There are people like a boombox walking down the street. people walking around with their earplugs? Yes, that's most people. All right. Um, the Cardinals have uh, We've gotten a little bit of a list of some of the players they've met with at the Combine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, I knew I was going to lose this, this song. You, this, this song makes me want to say, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? You know what I Walk mean? out into the newsroom and say that to somebody. <laughs> they don't know what's going on in here anyway. They never do. They always just look at us. Fever Ray, Basinonians. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm, forget the setup. I'm just going to play this cut of Jonathan Gannon <laughs> saying what they are, uh, he and Monty Awesome for what they are hoping to, to get out of the combine this week. If they love ball and if they're team guys first. So we're getting, uh, it's awesome meeting with them. Um, getting to start to know them as people um, before you really dive into the tape. But uh, really looking for the what I call the price of admission if they fit that. So we've had a lot of good guys that we've already talked to. We've got a lot more meetings scheduled the next couple of days. So uh, it's a really cool process for us. Man, I love that. We were talking about this yesterday. But the price of admission. You know what the price of admission is for the Arizona Cardinals? You know what it is? <laughs> you love ball and team first. That's the price of admission. He just told us that, basically. Did he not? Yeah, he didn't say it specifically, but he just told us. Uh, I got a list of some of the players that they've already met with. Now, we were looking at this this morning. They can meet with 45 players. Okay, hey, Do you 40? still want to sit in that room, Wolf, for 45 meetings? You know, I've said this. Absolutely. I do not want to sit in the room. I, okay, <laughs> wide receivers, I'll dismiss it. I, I will not. I, I don't want to talk to a wide receiver. Don't I don't want to talk. There. As a matter of fact, I, I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, unless you're you're in a high contact position, you don't you're want to talk to anybody that touches box. the ball. Right, you're okay. in the box for the most part. Okay, yeah, I want to talk to some running backs. I want to see their mentality right there. A uh, quarterback, that's okay. Yeah, you can go with the receivers right now. I could care about that. <laughs> Even a cornerback, I'm not too interested in that right now. All right. I want to talk to guys who could be in the box where the fur flies. So you can sit in for like 30-ish of the meetings. Um, some of the players that they have already uh, talked to, Braylon Trice, uh, Gabriel, Braylon Trice out of Washington, the edge, Gabriel Murphy, uh, the edge out of UCLA. These guys are all edges. Chris Braswell out of Alabama, the edge. Um, Jonah Ellis out of Utah, also an edge. And then Johnny Newton, Illinois defensive tackle, and Gabe Hall, Baylor defensive lineman. And then... The best name potentially in the draft, Chop Robinson, Penn Chop State. Chop Robinson. I, and that's got to be the Come best on. name in the draft. Chop Robinson. Please tell me we have a draft capsule well, on Chop Robinson. So we don't have a draft capsule, but do you know how we got that name? No, I don't. So he was born at 14 pounds. <laughs> wow. And so he got so to pick his own name? His mom nicknamed him Pork Chop. <laughs> <laughs> 14 pounds, Chop Robinson. Now it's an even better name. You know, I I really do like him, too. Um, Not only because he's a guy that can get to the quarterback, but I like his overall mentality. And the football player that he is, Chop Robinson, from Penn State, basically, right now. I think this guy, maybe the number two prospect for a lot of scouts that are out there in terms of the edge, but I like the fact he's a complete football player. From top to bottom, Chop Robinson. I'll take that. Yeah, that's uh, I'm, the only other name. Just going based on name, uh, Enos Rakestraw, the corner out of Missouri. That's a pretty good. Pretty Rakestraw is a pretty good football last name. Really? Yeah. Why do you say that? Rakestraw. It just, it just, it's a good name. It's know, it just straw. Sounds, Anything that has straw in it. Really? The rake. I mean, what are you going to like? Okay. The rake is well, a little. The rake more. is good. It's no Chop Robinson. No, it's not. Exactly. It's not getting carried away no, here. No, no. Rake is good. That's not bad. That's a good syllable a right there second. in your name. Yeah. Straw. Uh, Chop Robinson, incidentally, just looking at the players that they have. Uh, that, I mean, I'm sure they've met with more, but the list, and there's a list up on Arizona Sports, too. Of those seven, 
the only one that Mel Kuyper has in his first round mock that just uh, came out yesterday, his, his second edition of that is Chuck Robinson. He has going to the 49ers at 31. San Francisco really needs another defensive player. Yeah. No. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> I don't think they do. No. Thank you very much. I want to go back to JG and what JG said right there. The price of admission. What does he mean by that, based earnings? The price of admission. What is that? He just basically gave us what their culture is and how they're vetting these players. It's not everything. It doesn't, not everything, the price of admission. But I love the fact that he talked about that, that he's got a love ball. Boy, there's a big, that's an ambiguous statement, isn't it? Well, here's the follow-up then. Somebody asked how you determine if somebody loves ball. A lot of different ways to do it. I don't have any secret sauces, but I'm not going to give you that answer. <laughs> you, you, honestly, your daily habits, daily habits. Um, you know, I call it winning behavior. Can you display winning behavior consistently day after day after day? And uh, we have ways to define that. Um, but uh, and <laughs> you know, it's not a perfect science. So we we know that, but. Uh, you know, I think we got a good enough people in the building that know how to find that information out, starting with our scouts, our road scouts. have done a great job of giving us kind of the background of these guys for the course of, you know, one, two, three, four years, even dating back to high school. It's kind of wild. Um, but uh, they've done a really good job with that. And then we'll take all that information and then we'll talk to them and talk to them some more and talk to them some more and then put the card in, Monty. Matt, I love, I love listening to JG right now. Um, Look, he's not going to tell you how they vet these guys. He's not going to do it. He'll tell you, oh yeah, we do it. It does he love ball? Once again, that's really an ambiguous statement right there. For me, if I were going to translate what he just said in terms of saying, does he love ball? He's going to stick his face into the fan. That's that's loving ball. What is the essence of the game of football? Blocking and tackling. That is the essence of the game of football. Blocking and tackling. Even, even for wide receivers, does he love ball? Well, how does he go about blocking? How about that for a wide receiver right now? How's he go about the contact? part of it? Does he like the physicality part of it? Does he like it when a DB walks up over him and he presses him and he gets physical with him? See, that's loving ball. Engaging in the physicality. It doesn't matter if you play corner. doesn't matter if you're a wide receiver or you're a right tackle or a right guard. Do you engage in the physicality of the game? And does it show up on tape? Play after play after play, after play. I like the idea of the uh, of the daily of displaying daily winning habits because that's one of those things where if you if you try to try to change something in your life, it's a lot easier if you just make it a habit because there's going to be days you're not motivated to do it. But if it's just a habit, which is kind of what he was describing right there, because football is not necessarily a daily sport, right? You just think of it as as being the game on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, so that's an interesting approach, and it's not a shock to me that that's how JG's approaching this. Now, here's Braylon Trice at the Combine yesterday. They asked, what kind of player would a team get if they drafted you? Relentless, um, always showing up early, extra work, um, you know, just showing every everybody, leading by example, 
uh, showing how little things are done, you know, character and integrity, because that's what, you know, great teams are built off, built off of. What you do um, when no one's watching is what matters. Uh, and that's just how I live my life, uh, on and off the field, you know, finishing through the line, picking guys up, encouraging guys. So I just think you know, that's the kind of player you'd get. Raylan Trice, Edge, Washington. The six foot four inch, two hundred seventy four pound Edge tallied sixteen sacks over the past two seasons for the Washington Huskies. He moves well for his size, is physical and strong at the point of attack, gets off blocks well, and has a good motor. He does have average change of direction, which causes offensive tackles with good feet to stay in front of him, and he tends to dive at feet when tackling, which leads to missed tackles. NFL comp, longtime NFL defensive end Frank Clark. Okay, I'll take Frank Clark. I'll take him right now. It'd be great. I, I do like Braylon Trice. I do. Here's the great thing about it. Um, you heard him just say what he feels he is, what mm-hmm. kind of player he is. You just heard him say this. The great thing is when you interview these guys, see, this is what you do. You interview these guys, and then you look at the tape. Does it, does it match up? When you hear a kid say what he says... And then you watch the tape. Does it match up? Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. The Diamondbacks still working on that number five starter. One of them actually pitched again yesterday and pitched pretty well again yesterday. How are they going to determine who number five is going to be? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Jarrett, and tomorrow we will react to what Diamondbacks general manager Mike Hazen told us about expectations for this season. Are they freaky? Tune in at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports to Bickley and Murata Mornings. All right, Wolf, I I know you know this because I think you have like some sort of internal alarm whenever Brandon fought pitches, but he did pitch yesterday. I'm such a big fought fan. I really am. Really? You got <laughs> Just so fun. Okay. Now that you got that out of the way, do you feel better? I do feel better, as a matter of fact. But I am a, a young guy, once again, um, who's got all this expectation on him. A guy that was ranked high in the Dar- Diamondbacks farm system, right? A guy that is trying to make his way at the highest level. Oh, my goodness. To see what happened to him. To see him develop over the course of last season and then into the postseason where he saved his best for when it mattered the most. Man, I'll tell you. I am a Brandon Fodd fan. Well, uh, Brent Strom was on Bickley and Murata this morning, and he had some things to say about Fodd. Now, Fodd's game yesterday, I think he went an inning, gave up two runs. I mean, whatever. Like, <laughs> as we discussed with Eduardo Rodriguez, and as we'll discuss when somebody has a really good spring performance, it doesn't ultimately matter if you're already going to be on the team. <laughs> but in terms of what Fodd could be this year, he's definitely... He might be the biggest X factor on the team, really. I mean, if he takes, if what he did in the postseason carries over to this season, then he's better than a number four starter. And if you are a team that has a number four starter that's pitching more like a three or a two, while your top three are all pitching like top three starters, you got a pretty good advantage on a lot of teams. So he's he's one of the biggest X factors. Here's Brent Strom this morning. Well, if you look at the look at the numbers, what he did up in Reno, I think he had 200 plus strikeouts. And was very fastball heavy, and that plays at the AAA level, especially when you have an elite 
command of the fastball. He brought that naturally, which we all want. I don't, I don't want a guy who's successful in the minor leagues come to the big leagues and all of a sudden I tell him, hey, this kid's not going to work up here. He's got to find that himself. He's got to bring his game here, see what, see how the hitters react. Uh, we, we changed his pitch mix. We moved him on the rubber a little bit to create some different angles, and that seemed to, to go. Because, you know, early it was uh, a lot of home runs, I think 24 home runs or so in 80 innings or something like that, which was unsustainable, at least for his success. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he changed his uh, approach. Uh, we, we, mixed, we mixed pitches a little bit differently, added the two-seamer, uh, started to attack the hitter in different ways rather than just being so fastball heavy. Because I know for one thing, been in this game a long time, major league hitters can hit a fastball. And so uh, <laughs> yeah. the game has actually changed now where the fastball is utilized to uh, to get ahead in the count, get your foul balls, but it's spin and off speed now that it really plays at the big league level. Wow. First of all, Braun Strong. Strong is so good, man. Like he's you, you, this you, guy, I love this guy. There was a time where the Diamondbacks <laughs> drafted decent players, but then it felt like they just couldn't develop them, and they would go somewhere else and get good. And look, I think any any D-backs fan has has that list of players that got really good somewhere else. But Strong there, don't you feel pretty good that the young pitchers, if they're going to be good more often than not, they're going to get good here? Yes, I would agree with what you're saying Zach right Gallen's now. Zach gotten um, better since he got here. Mark uh, Kelly's gotten better. He's gotten better. Think of Brandon Font mm-hmm. and how he got better, of course. Um, Font didn't fight, Basin Arnie. <laughs> he didn't. If it was a fight, Brandon would have fought. Okay, I'm just saying. I don't even know. So that was his outing sentence. yesterday. I just yes. had to get that out of me. If it, if it was a fight, he would have fought. He would have fought. Okay, he of fought course. It, it was not a fight yesterday. Inning. That was the, that was the problem. Right? Mm. There was only an inning. He knew he was going an inning. But go, going back to uh, Brad Strom and what he was talking about, um, this guy, I love the fact that he he tells them the truth. This is something really, really important. If you are a coach, as you know, you need to tell your kids the truth. You need to tell your guys the truth. You need to, it doesn't matter what level you're talking about, you need to tell them the truth. You can't over exaggerate one way or the other. You can't do it. You got to tell them that you, you look at Strom and you watch him the way he talks to his guys, dead on eye contact. And just very matter of fact, it is one of the. <laughs> I don't want to say highlights of the season, but one of the like the comedic highlights of the season. There are times where Strom comes out to the mound and he has that look on his face, like I shouldn't have to be walking out here right now. Right. Don't make me come back there. Exactly. And go up there and talk to the pitcher. Um, Tommy Henry also pitched in that game yesterday. Man. And again, I'm not going to read too much in the spring training stats, except. Tommy Henry doesn't have a spot locked up on the team necessarily, and he's one of probably three guys really in the mix for that number five spot coming out of camp. Himself, Ryan Nelson, and Slade Ciccone. Henry now has pitched. He threw three shutout innings yesterday, so he's already thrown five shutout innings this spring with one hit mixed in there. So he's definitely still in the mix. I mean, that's kind of what this is now, right? If you're those three guys, it's how long can you stay in the mix until there's one left? Look, it's really, really early. We all know how early it is right now in spring training. How early is it? Is, is Tommy Henry the front runner for the number 5 starter right now? I mean, there's there's always going to be a front runner. It doesn't matter if it's day one or the last day of spring training. There's going to be a front runner right now. Tommy Henry, 
He's pitched the most innings of any pitcher on the Diamondbacks roster in spring training mm-hmm. and has not given up a run. Given up a run. 0.00 ERA. And oh, by the way, 0.40 whip. <laughs> okay? I, he's pitching really, really well. And Tori Lovello was actually talking about how well he is pitching right now. And that, to me, is interesting. Because Tori knows. Tori knows that everybody's going to be listening to him. Slade Ciccone is going to listen to what he says about Tommy Henry. Right? Ryan Nelson is going to listen to Tori Lovello talk about what Tommy Henry is okay, doing. Okay, now, now we're going to listen to it, okay? Okay. He'll probably increase the four innings his next outing. Um, he went down to the bullpen to get continue getting stretched out and throwing off pitches. So I see him right on track for this competition. He's, he's doing everything we're asking him to do, everything we want to see. And he's executing at a high level, so I want that to continue. Oh. It's all you can do. Right it, there. It, it's all you can do if you're Tommy Henry. Now, look, Ryan Nelson's going to pitch today. All he can do, give him another two or three shutout innings, right? I mean, you're th- those two... I like Slade Ciccone. I think he's absolutely in the mix. But it feels like if they all pitch the same, which is never going to happen, but if they all pitch the same this spring, it sort of feels like Ciccone might be starting in third just because he's a little bit younger. But uh, but if you're Tommy Henry yeah. and you don't get the, the number 5 starter's job out of spring training, but you pitched like this all of spring, then you're going to be the first guy up the second they need somebody. And it was really, really cool, too, because Tommy Henry came out in the seventh yesterday when the bases were loaded with nobody out, and then he struck out the side. Think about that. Tommy Henry and Tori Lovello, I don't know if you have that cut on Tori Lovello, what he said after that, but once again, to be in a situation like that, I realize it's spring training. I understand that, but this is what competition looks like, and you're going to evaluate competition based on what you do and what Tommy Henry has done thus far, early, early though it be. Man, you have to ask yourself, is he the front runner right now? Well, it's it's uh, nice to be in a situation where, like, Ryan Nelson pitching today, Tommy Henry coming in throwing three innings yesterday, that's actually kind of a bigger deal than watching Merrill Kelly pitch in spring training. Or like, <laughs> like, like, like last year, it was like, hey, can Madison Bumgarner still throw fast? Like, that was one of the questions in spring training. Now it's just which one of the young guys is ready to be the number 5 starter. So when Ryan Nelson or Tommy Henry is starting or Slade Ciccone, a little more uh, interest in that game. We come back, the Arizona Cardinals have a couple big decisions to make this offseason on the future of two household names. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody, it's Bernsey. The Arizona Cardinals are looking to improve a number of positions on the roster this offseason. If they are adding a veteran, who are some of the guys that would be a perfect fit? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, 2-6 to six on Arizona Sports. All right, in terms of Arizona Cardinals that have been here for a little while, outside of Kyler Murray, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, there's not like a ton that they've drafted, first-round players they've drafted and they're sticking around. They're going to have to make uh, two pretty significant decisions here relatively soon, Wolf, on Zayvon Collins and DJ Humphreys. Yeah. So where do you want to start? You want to start with Hump? Yeah, okay. I, I think it's only appropriate. 
T.J. Humphreys, of course, a guy that has been a very good left tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, a guy that I love the way that he plays the game. Speaking of, he's got a lot of dog in him. And I love that DJ is a guy that still um, goes out and practices hard. And then you can see that, of course, when he plays because he's got a lot of dog in him right there. But um, you have to ask yourself the question, the economics of professional football come into play. And with the ACL and when he might be back, you have to wonder if the Arizona Cardinals could see him as an injury wave. Yeah, I mean, what does it saves him like about eight million dollars? Um, it's it's a weird thing, but this is also a business, obviously. Yeah. And um, you know, this it's the guy that's a, a captain. I would say he is a success story as a first round pick for the Cardinals. You know, he's is he a Hall of Famer? No, but but I mean, is he? You took a guy in the first round. And he's been on your team for how many years? And he's a captain. He's been an anchor of your offensive line, and we've watched him get better. Uh, significantly better from you know his first couple years, and he hasn't been perfect, but he's been getting he's been getting better. Here's um here's Money Austin Ford. He was asked about DJ Humphreys uh, a couple days ago at the combine. Yeah, that's a that's a hard injury, Darren, and it's uh it, it was hard. It, it it was too bad, unfortunate for Hump. Just you know the timing of the injury and um you know when it happened, and you know it's 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 a difficult situation. So all I can say is that that Hump's been in the facility every day. Um, he is he's grinding through rehab, and he's I know he's going to put himself in a be- the best position to get himself ready to play. Um, it's a tough situation. Again, it's goes back to the unfortunate nature of injuries in football. And, you know, I know Hump's going to do everything that he can do to get himself back out on the field. It's the timing. Yeah, it is. When they reference the timing, it's like, okay. Yeah. How quickly could DJ Humphreys be back? That is a question you've got to ask yourself. I I don't think, this is just me, I don't think he's going to be back before November. I, I don't think he is. Now, again... Um, there have been people that have recovered well, Max Starks very, very quickly from an ACL. Max is that is the exception, but but he to has. But I mean, you're saying there's people that have done it. I mean, you're right. Conventional wisdom, just kind of the normal timeline of it. You probably aren't going to have DJ Humphreys for the majority of this upcoming season. Now, Max has said it's certainly possible to uh, to do it because he's done it to a certain extent to be able to come back earlier. But blows my mind he did it if that quickly. You know, if Hump can't come back until, let's say, Thanksgiving, I mean, I'm just throwing out a a date in November, right? You're going to have to fill that spot for the first 12 weeks of the season or something. That That's not a position where you're just like, hey, uh, we're going to bring in a guy to kind of hold that spot down for a week or two. This is this is left tackle for, you know, conventional wisdom would say the majority of the season. Now, if he can prove otherwise and he's back earlier, maybe that changes things. So then what do you do? Are you moving Paris Johnson Jr. over? Are you just bringing in somebody to replace Hump? I mean, I, I don't know. Like this sort of trends like it's maybe not going to be him on this team past this year because of the injury. Yeah, you know, because of the injury and how much money you can actually save well, yeah, on, the, money you can on save. the cap. And that's... That's something that, once again, is a big deal. You're, you're talking about the money you could save on the cap with DJ Humphreys. You, you could go out there and get two free agents yeah. and bring them in for that money. Good free agents is, as well. Is that How is that received around the league, though? 
Like if you're if you're a prospective free agent or just a player on another team or even a player on the Cardinals, it's like this guy's a captain. He is clearly a leader among offensive linemen. They all love him when they get here. Um, and then you let him go in a situation like this. Is that like okay, wow? Why would they do that? Or is that just a yeah? All thirty-two teams would do that because this is a business. Well, it is a business, and you can never forget that. But do it, you guys get that? It is a business when they're when I they're playing. Guys, I think guys, for the most part, first of all, guys have changed tremendously <laughs> from when I played. Tremendously, the the game itself has changed so much that it's not forging the same type of individual. Okay, when 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 I played, I can tell you right now, I, and this is not when I played. I can't stand that. <laughs> as long really as you don't can't. wave your fist at the sky, you're but okay. But I just know it, the game was so much more brutal. How you prepared a human being to play in the NFL in 1985 is not how you prepare to play a human being in today's NFL. It's nowhere even close. Okay, so it produced different people. It did because you had coaches, grown men who are screaming at you <laughs> on a regular basis. And you had to deal with that, okay? There was none of this go pout or I'm going to fight the coach. You just would defiantly listen to him and you would do what he said, basically, right? Um, were there bad coaches? Yeah, there were bad coaches at one point in time, but this is the way that it was. It produced different individuals and... That's why today, it's just you can never lose sight of the fact it is the biggest mercenary league on the face of the planet. It's the reason why I always told my teammate, don't say you're going to play for me. Don't, 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 don't do that. Play for yourself, okay? Because I know you're out there. I'm going to play for you. I'm going to go out and play. Anyone who says I'm going to go play for you in the National Football League right now, he's lost sight of why he's out on the field. And he's not being serious. You're going to play for me. Really? Why don't you play for your family? Why don't you go out there and play to the ground with blood under your nails for your family? Because this is some serious, serious business once you step inside the white lines. There's nothing funny about it whatsoever. And because of that, you can't ever lose sight of the fact that it's a business. Period. Now, can I just say this, Luke, quickly? Can I just say that when it comes to you signing a contract as a man and and saying, I'm going to play four years for you, I'm not going to come back in year three and say, my contract stinks. I want a new contract. I'm not going to do that. That's my choice. And there's a lot of other guys in the NFL who feel the same way as I do, even now. But it's not like that all the time. There are guys who see it as a business with them, too. You know what? No. I signed the contract. That's okay. I'm not going to play under those circumstances. That's a personal choice, a personal choice that each guy has got to make. Want to get to Zavin here real quick. Money Austin Ford talking about Zavin Collins. Not the exact same situation as Humphreys, obviously, because Zavin's not hurt. I thought Zavin had a good year for us last year. You know, we did. We went through a transition with him just positionally. Um, got back to some things that he did in Tulsa coming out of uh, college. And so, you know, I thought Zavin made a lot of great strides throughout the season. Was out there for us. A lot of snaps. Um, played the whole year. And, you know, I think with him, as with all of our players, I think we're going to we expect to see a jump from year one to year two. Um, his comfort level... 
um, just getting more used to the position. Um, you know, in terms of the fifth year option, and we got some time on that, and we're going to continue to figure that out here as we go. We got a couple months to figure that out, and that that again, it's a part of the bigger discussion as it goes to building our roster, just the roster construction, not only for 2024 but 2025. So, you know, we'll work through that, but certainly excited that we have Zavin. Zavin, I thought again made great strides last year, um, and we're excited. I think he's going to make another step this year. Yeah, Zabin Collins, man. That is the other question right there, and you could save an awful lot of money as well on Saving on Zabin? Yeah, exactly. Well, he's in the same, I don't want to say the exact same spot, because I think they like what he brings them on the field more than they did with Isaiah Simmons, but he's where Isaiah Simmons was a year ago, where now you got to decide about that fifth-year option. And so Zabin's going to be on the team this season. DJ Humphreys might not be. But Zabin, if you don't pick up that option, pretty good chance he won't be on the team past this year, right? Because it's the same thing with Isaiah Simmons last year. He either isn't going to play well enough for you to want to sign him again after this upcoming season, or he's going to play well enough where he's going to probably price himself out of here. You know what I would say? Move him back inside. Really? Yeah. Give him a shot. Move him back inside. I, I I just don't think he's got the burst to be an edge guy. I just don't think he, now he's a guy that I think could set the edge and a guy that, you know, is going to work hard and maybe you'll, you get a lot of work hard sacks out of him. Marcus Golden used to be like that, but I, I just wonder if he's in the right spot. So draft an edge rusher, move him back inside with Kaiser White. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth a shot. He was he was really making progress, <laughs> felt like a year ago. And it's not that he wasn't making progress this past season, but it was more noticeable probably because of the position he was playing and the actual stats he was putting up uh, in 2022. When we come back over to basketball, what does Kevin Ray want to see from the Suns when they resume action tonight against the Houston Rockets? We're going to ask their broadcaster next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.